you. Oh, you guys are too kind. You can take your seats. Let me have a good look at you. How are we all doing? Are we good? Amazing. I had no idea how much organization it would take to get out of the house to preach with a baby. It's like leaving the house for the first time with a baby took about five hours. And then we left and we were there for 10 minutes, then came back and then rested for the next six weeks because that was traumatic being out of the house. But we're so um, in love with our little girl and just loving the journey of that. So if we haven't met before, because it's been 10 months since I've stood up here, last time I was very, very, very pregnant. I had to sit down and I could not breathe because apparently Liv didn't think I needed lungs or, you know, any kind of room for my spleen or anything like that. She was taking up a lot of room. So it's lovely to be back with you this morning. And I feel very honored that Pastor Mark and Nina would trust me with you and trust me with your time and your energy and your emotion and the things that are going on in your world. I recognize this morning that as you sit here, you're not just a blank slate for me to try and write some thoughts on, but you come with your own problems, your own triumphs, their own things, your own prayers that are going on. And so as I've been preparing for this, I've been praying for you and believing that what heaven has for you this morning is directly tailored to you. Now, I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. And so as I've been preparing, I've been praying that he would direct the words to your heart specifically for what you need to set you up for your year. And so this preach comes out of... um, Psalms, and I love the Old Testament. I, I struggle to sometimes get into the New because I just love the Old Testament so much. And um, I wanted to, um, we, well, we wanted to raise our little girl with a love of the Word of God. And so as we put her to sleep every night, we read a Psalm, which is lovely until you get to the really depressing, <laughs> find out how many Psalms are like, smite them, Lord. May their children be cut off from the earth. They're like, oh, I go to sleep. <laughs> but then there's like nice ones that you, you know, you stitch on a tea towel and those are good. So I've got a few years to work out how we're going to kind of do scripture with Psalms and kind of work out how to explain to Liberty what is going on with this smite the Almighty smiter kind of psalm. And so, so I've, as I've been doing it, because we're on our second cycle through now, of Psalms, we're going to do Psalms for the whole first year of her life. And I've been taking notes because I'm reading Psalms every night. And so I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And kind of taking little notes. And this preach came out of that note. And as I've been thinking and it's kind of been percolating in me, I really believe that it's kind of here. I'm preaching it here at Warner and Redcliffe after their Vision Sunday. And I believe for us at Warner, it's to kind of um, set up, set up our hearts, get our hearts ready and prepared for Vision Sunday. So because the Holy Spirit doesn't do things in isolation, he, he does things together as a whole. And so I've kind of got a bit of a sneak preview. And if, you, if you've been on social media, you'll kind of know a little bit of a sneak preview of Vision Sunday. And so this message is to help prepare our hearts for that because we want the word to come to us and for us to receive it and for it to be in good soil and for it to take root in our lives and for it to grow and, and be expansive. And so that's kind of my assignment from heaven today is to help the soil of your heart and your soul and your spirit be ready for the word that Pastor Mark's going to bring in a couple of weeks for Vision Sunday. So it's always important when we're looking at the Bible that we don't just pick something out of its context and make it mean whatever we want it to mean. And so for Psalm 65, 
this psalm sits in four, like a little block of four psalms that are thanksgiving psalms. They're all centered around the goodness of God, around the whole earth. So you'll hear lots of kind of from the ends of the earth language. It's like a, a really um, kind of expansive psalm, if that makes sense. And it's nice that it's Thanksgiving because it actually comes after for what we call lament psalms. So those kind of slightly depressive ones where it's like, oh, everybody hates me and, and my life is going terrible. And, you know, though everybody's slaying me and all this kind of stuff. So after that, after the lament, after things are going so terrible, then we get Thanksgiving. And I think even in that, there's a lesson for us to pick up that it's okay for us to have our emotions. It's okay for circumstances not to be great. It's okay for us to be in lament, but we don't stay there. We don't stay in that place. We always go towards, Jesus, you're amazing though. This may not be the circumstance I want, but God, you're still good. Goodness me, things are difficult at the minute, but you're my rock and my anchor and I can trust in you. And so maybe this morning, if we were to kind of put you in a psalm. You might be in a psalm of thanksgiving. If you are, praise God, wonderful. But you might be sitting in a psalm of lament this morning. Let me encourage you. Let's move to thanksgiving. Let's stay in that place of thanksgiving. This psalm is centered around agriculture. You'll hear lots of that as we go through it together. They think it was uh, like a celebration psalm, maybe a harvest festival. I was thinking about um, harvest festivals as I was preparing. I grew up in a Methodist church and when it was harvest festival time, I don't think this is a thing in Australia or just in the UK, but harvest festival, it was dead exciting. You'd go to your cupboard and you'd choose a tin of soup, like usually from the back that has been there for eight years. And then you go with your tin of condensed Heinz chicken soup and then you take it down the front and it'd be like, woohoo, the harvest festival. Did, was that a thing here? One person. Excellent. We're on the money. <laughs> we both went to Strange Harvest Festival churches. Okay, the rest of us, you've got no clue what I'm talking about. So it's a harvest festival. It's a time when they've gathered in the produce of the year. And the commentators think it's probably around the Feast of Tabernacles, which is at the start of the Jewish year. So we often think harvest is the end of the year. It's the end of things. It's when you kind of gotten to the finished result, if that makes sense. But this sits at the start of the Jewish year. And I want you to hold on to that thought about end and start kind of being the different way around than we would think about it. Because that's really common in Jewish thought. So, and that's because in Genesis, it says it was evening and then it was morning the first day. So for the Jewish culture, the, e the day starts in the evening, which is for us is the end of the day, but that's the start of their day. And so there's this kind of topsy-turvy, they're doing a harvest festival, but it's at the start of the year. And that's, I want you to hold on to that thought because we're going to need that right at the end. But as we read through the psalm together, I'm going to pick out some parts that I think heaven wants us to pay particular attention to this morning. But really, we want the Holy Spirit to come and do that soul work, that mind work, that heart work, so that we're ready for what's going to be said to us for Vision Sunday and what heaven has for you this morning. So I want us to pray, invite the Holy Spirit to help us because he knows what you need. And so let's invite him in. Let's get the soil of our hearts and our ears ready. And let's see what Jesus has to say to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you, God, that you know what every person needs this morning. You are not unaware of what is going on for them. And you've planned and prepared a table for them this morning. 
And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as I speak, Holy Spirit, you direct the words to every heart as they need to be directed. I pray that there is be attentive and listening for what the words of heaven are this morning, that they take them and receive them and that it bring life and much fruit to their life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read through the psalm. It will be up on the screen behind me. We're going to stop and pause and really we're going to focus together on the end of the psalm. That's where kind of the crux of it is. But there's some good stuff before we get there. So it starts in verse 1, Psalm 65. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you. Now, the translators have done their best kind of with what mighty praise awaits you. Sometimes you'll see it saying, praise belongs to you. Um, Praise awaits you, some versions say. Some versions, interestingly, say there will be silence before you. I find that really interesting because it was like, well, are we praising or are we silent? Like, which one are we doing? It's that awkward moment in assembly where you're like, are we talking or are we not? Like, what do we do? But it's this sense of that collectively they've come together and God is so incredible and they are so in awe of him and they are so, oh my goodness, we've come to worship the living God this morning, not a distant God, but God who cares for us and is interested in us. And we're so excited about that, that it's that kind of, that collective intake of breath, that collective, oh my goodness. And then the praise breaks out. It's this this beautiful kind of holy quiet moment, but not in a somber way, in a like a, ah, and then it all goes mental as they kind of praise God. That's, that's the sense of this. Verse two, for you answer our prayers, all of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. That's just a great verse right there, isn't it? There is no sin too great. There's nothing too far gone. There is nothing that you have done, have done, will do that is able to separate you, God is going to forgive them all. He's willing. This points ahead, we know, towards the cross, the great mercy of Jesus, his sacrifice for us, that there's no sin that can separate us from the Father's love. Verse 4, what joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts, what festivities await us in your holy temple. I found this really interesting that This creator of the heavens and the earth, this kind of big expansive God that we're talking about, this God that we're like so enraptured with that we can't even speak before we're gonna, it's just like, oh my goodness, there's so much awe and wonder. And that God, it says, chooses to bring us near. Just wrap your head around that. That God chooses to bring us near. Us with all of our sin, us with all of our failings, us with all of the things that we can't get right week after week, us with all of the things that we don't know how we're doing it and what we're doing and all of that, he chooses to bring us near. We can approach the throne of grace this morning because of Jesus. There's no distance that has to be there because of Jesus now. There's no distance that's there between you and God that needs to stay there. If you feel that you're distant this morning, That's not on God's part. He's choosing to bring you near this morning. There's nothing from his side that's keeping you at arm's distance. He chooses to bring us near. Verse five, you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. If you're in the waiting, take that this morning. He's faithfully answering prayers. 
He's faithfully answering prayers. Verse 6. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. This caught my attention because often we talk and we've sang it this morning. You are a mountain moving God. That things often we talk about, you know, our God is a mountain moving God and we can say to this mountain, all that kind of stuff. But this this captured my attention because this is a mountain forming God. Not in the sense of he's going to start to put obstacles in your way and you're like, oh, you know, you're just walking down the street and then bam, there's like a big mountain. You're like, oh, goodness, I wasn't ready to climb that this morning. But we're coming to worship. We're coming to be with. We're coming around a God who makes something out of nothing. Which one of your friends can do that? Be like, right, we want to go do a Saturday activity. I'm bored with all the mountains around here. Hey, Pastor David, can you just make a mountain, please, that's really good that we can go climb? Now, Pastor David's very holy and wonderful and awesome, but he can't make mountains. I can't make mountains. Pastor Mark can't make mountains. That's the God that we serve, that creates something out of nothing, that creates something incredible. Who, who can create earth? Nobody but our God. He's the ultimate creator. Verse 7. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. I felt this specifically for somebody this morning. You've started the year with intimidation. You've started the year and it feels like the nations are shouting at you. It feels like the work situation is shouting at you. It feels like your boss may be literally shouting at you. It feels like there are things in your life that are shouting intimidation at you, but this morning we have a God that silences intimidation. We have a God that shuts the mouth of the enemy that wants to come and intimidate and keep you small. You don't have to listen to that intimidation when you come into the house of God, when you come into his presence. Verse 8, those who live at the ends of the earth stand in all of your wonders. That's us. We're Australia. We live, we live at the ends of the earth. From where the sun rises to where it sets. You inspire shouts of joy. How beautiful is that? All right, now we're coming to the crux of where we're focusing on today. And I'm going to pull out some things that I think are going to help us. It's this rich imagery that you're going to hear a lot about this year, about fruitfulness, abundance, water. And there's lots of positional language that we'll get to right at the end. And here's what I think it's talking about for us this year. This is something all of us are going to go through. What we're going to read is applicable to all of us. We will all find ourselves in some of this circumstance this year. And so as you listen to this, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me take notice of where I am. I want you to find yourself in the psalm this morning. Which bit is for me? Where am I? And know that heaven already knows where you are. And so has already got something for you. It says this. I'm going to read through to the end and then we're going to go back. Verse 9. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture. The hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout 
and sing for joy. Amen. So verse 9 and 10, when it's talking about you take care of the earth and water it, the river of God has plenty of water. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods, leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless it with abundant crops. That's all, as you can hear, lots of water languages. River, drench, melt, soften, showers. And what the psalmist says, the person who's writing this says, God is coming to do this personally. God is coming personally. You take care of the earth and water it. It's not just a random cloud that's like flying overhead and is like deciding, oh, now I will rain now. But no, God himself is coming personally to take care of the earth and water it. Now, I'm originally from the Northern Hemisphere, as you can hear in my accent. I don't have an Aussie accent yet. We are not in lack of water in the Northern Hemisphere, just so you know. Up there in the Northern Hemisphere, there is lots of water. We have many, many reservoirs. In fact, we just live in a constant state of drizzle and dampness. Like all the, all the lovely cargo pants that are all back in fashion now, you've got no idea how difficult those are to wear in the Northern Hemisphere because you just walk through puddles the entirety of your life. And so then your, your pants just soak up water from the bottom up. And so by the end of the day, you've got like, it's wet from here down because it's just so rainy. It's just drizzly and, and gray and it makes it very green and lush and lovely, but it's very drizzly and full of rain in the Northern Hemisphere. So if in the Northern Hemisphere we were going to say, you take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile, we'd be like, yes, yes we know. Could you do that maybe slightly less? And can we have a few more sunny days thrown in there just to kind of help with all of our seasonal depression that goes on because it's just grey all of the time. But for the people who are hearing this and for the people who are reciting this and the people who are saying this, they don't live in the Northern Hemisphere. They live in an arid climate like Australia. They live in that place where they depend on water. They need the water. They need the rain. It's an agricultural society where they have to grow their own food. If you don't grow stuff, you're not eating. Your family's not eating. Your community isn't eating. If the crops fail, that's an enormous deal for them. So the, the year depends on the frequency, the intensity, and the reliability of the rain. If you don't have those things, your year's not going well. So with that ear, listen to this again. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods, leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. God takes it upon himself to do this. The river of God has plenty of water. That is hope and life to somebody whose life. Um, whose actual life depends on rain coming, crops growing. They couldn't trade. They couldn't take sacrifice to the temples. They couldn't, um, like if you had a daughter that needed to be married, you couldn't kind of sell things to, to get um, livestock to be able to trade and all that kind of stuff. It, you needed rain for everything. And God says, there's no lack on my half. There's no lack with me. 
I'm not scratching around in heaven going, goodness, Gabriel, we've just like dumped a load of water over here and we've got no more water. I don't know what we're going to do. Let's ask the angels to make some more. There is no lack with God in this psalm. He's attentive. He's engaged. He's bringing abundance. And that's a check for the people who are listening to this because when you're looking up at the sky and it's very dry and you're looking at the ground and it's looking really hard, that can be a difficult thing to remember. Actually, there's no lack with God. He's not bringing, he's not, he's not lacking. He has all the resources. He has all the rain. The river of God has lots of water in it. And so it's a check for them and for us. Don't forget where the rain comes from. The rain is not just a passing cloud. It's not ordered by the bomb. It's not just like, oh, look, there's a nice rain cloud there. No, God is bringing the rain. It's not just favorable conditions. It's the mercy of God for us all. And so maybe you feel like you're in lack this morning. We'll know that the river of God is full of water. It's full. There is no lack with God. And it's where every blessing comes from. It's from God. And so this morning, if you're in a time of blessing, don't forget to look up where your help came from. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the one that brings the blessing. He is the one that brings the water. He is the one that brings the rain. He is the one that brings the conditions that mean that your life can be fruitful and grow. It's Him. And the rain in this psalm does three things. It softens the ground, causes the seed to sprout, and then there's latter rain, which encourages growth. When my mum and dad were over here for a couple of months uh, last year, my mum's got a real good green thumb. I have a withered green thumb because I'm not very good. I really try, and we're doing okay with houseplants because they all... Uh, we've picked ones that thrive on neglect. So it looks really impressive, but it's not. We've just chosen wisely. So if you buy me a plant, it better be hardy because um, it's survival of the fittest in my house. Some have come in and not many have made it. But the ones that have made it, they've really made it. We're thriving. We're doing good. And so I, when my mum came over, I wanted her to plant up some um, seeds for me and some pots because that's what she used to do in the UK. And so we went to Bunnings and asked the lady, okay, what thrives on neglect? What can cope not being watered in the middle of Australian summer for three weeks because you've forgotten and you've got a baby and that's like the way, way, way down on the list is remembering to water plants. And so she gave us some plants and then we got some wildflowers for the, um, like the side of our house because it's... I was like, wildflowers can live anywhere. So if, if, if you're going to survive, side of the house, that's your best shot. So we put some soil down, put some seeds down, and then watered them in. And that's what we did together. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But the rain oxygenates the soil, moves the soil, and causes growth. And the rain in this psalm is being used as a symbol for God's blessing and growth. And sometimes we want to live in the rain of God all the time. We want spiritual monsoon. We just want to be like, like you know, drench all the time. But that's just not how it happens. Rain, it comes and goes. It comes in seasons. And so I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this morning, which season am I in? Am I in a softening season? Are there clods in your heart? Has the busyness of life made things a little bit hard and lumpy and not kind of easy and just kind of easy to go through? And 
if things are feeling hard and difficult at the minute, it's probably not because you're a bad person. It's probably just because things are busy and, you know, some things you've done and some things have gone by the wayside. The ground has been worked. It's been ploughed in preparation. But for seed to grow in your life, it needs to be softened up. You need the reign of God. You need the blessing of God. You need the reign of the Holy Spirit to come in your life and to soften those hard places so that when the seed comes, it's got somewhere to settle. It doesn't just bounce off. And so we've been, as we know in church, we've been in this season of rain and blessing and God's presence in meetings that we've not felt in such a way for a, 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 a long time. It's been like just this sense of the presence of God. But it's really easy to stay hard in that. It's really easy to just, yeah, yeah, and be a critic. Probably not externally, because we're all too clever for that. But internally, think, oh, yeah, I've seen that. We, I, remember, I remember doing this. I remember how this felt. Yeah, yeah, and then it just didn't last, did it? Or, or you experienced something, and then you got hurt. Somebody hurt you. Church hurt you. Somebody said something, and it just got that little bit hard. Let me encourage you. Don't just observe. Don't critique. Don't choose to stay hard. Allow the Holy Spirit to soften those hard places. Allow the reign of God. It's not going to kind of, kind of like whoosh, like all in one go. It just, just to soften. Just to allow it to settle. Just to break up the difficult places. So that when the word of God comes, when the Holy Spirit comes with that idea for your business or for your family or for that person that you're praying for, it's got somewhere soft to settle into. And when you do that, you're positioning yourself for fruitfulness down the line. Because when the soil is soft, fruitfulness will come. So do you need softening this morning? Are you in a place where the seed is sprouting this morning? Back to my wildflowers. I, was, I planted them um, under my mum's supervision, careful supervision. We did it together because I've not done it for years. And we watered it in and then she was like, now, now keep watering it. So I'm like, okay. So sporadically, mum, I have to confess, it was sporadically because I know she's working to me right now, but I did water them sporadically. So I'm, I'm just watering what is a beautiful patch of dirt down the side of my house. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't quite get to praying over my seed, but I was like, there it is. You know, I've done my bit for the day. And then, you know, two weeks would go by, sorry, mum. And I'd be like, oh, seeds down the side of the house. And off we'd go and we'd water them again. And I spent eight weeks watering a lovely patch of dirt down the side of my house thinking, some cheeky magpies come and eat all the seeds. And how long do I leave it before I'm like, I just go to Bunnings and try and buy wildflowers and like plant them in to take a picture for my mum and go, look, mum, they magically grew. So like, when do I call it and be like, I, my green thumb has gone, like I have no green thumb at all. And the miracles that we're hearing about and the tangible presence that we're feeling and the encounter that's happening in church, we can hear all of that, but for you, you might feel like, well, I'm just, I'm watering dirt in my life. That's lovely for you over there. But me over here, I'm down the, the rubbish side of my house. So having sown seeds and eight weeks ago, and I'm just watering dirt. I'm just going up and down. Nothing is happening over here. I think some cheeky magpies come and stolen all of the good things for me for my year. And I'm just watering dirt. 
But let me encourage you, keep water in the dirt. Because what's happening is all happening underneath where you can't see it. So if I'd have stopped in week four, which I didn't, Mum, I'm very proud of this. But if I'd have stopped in week four and been like, well, do you know what? Well, then nothing would have happened because I've stopped watering it. But you need to continue to water it. The growth begins where you can't see. So keep coming, be diligent, keep serving, keep talking to that neighbor, keep praying for your healing, keep believing for that breakthrough, keep being diligent in your business, water the soil, keep going on it because the rain, the seed and the soil means that growth is coming. It is probably just not when you are wanting it, which is obviously quicker. We all want it quick. It is coming. It is coming. So keep watering to see the seed sprout. You might be in this situation today. You might be where the latter rain is going to encourage growth. And the latter rains were eagerly anticipated. They were this sign of God's blessing. They were prayed for. And then you'll sometimes see, it talks about it in Joel, about the latter rains, the former rains and the latter rains. And the latter rains were like, the latter rains are here because it's like the bonus rain. Like you've, you've had the rain to soften things because you need that to be able to plant the seed well. You've done the rain where you're going to be uh, when you seed sown and, and they have to have that to cause the seed to germinate and sprout and come through. But the latter rains is when things are established and it's a bonus rain. It's the rain that comes and it releases the full potential of the plant, the full potential of the seed. It's where ridiculous fruitfulness comes from. I now have lovely, lovely wildflowers down the side of my house. I Thanks, Lisa. It is an achievement. Yes, it's good. I should post it on Facebook and you'll be all most unimpressed, but... I'm very impressed with it. But if I, if I now don't water them at all, they'll be lovely and then they will very quickly die on me because they still need water to get the full potential out of them. And I prayed this over a couple at our anointing service. And as I was saying it, I knew that it was a word for the church as well. And it's this. For some of you, you're in this season you're in a latter rain season and you've done the work of keeping your heart soft and you've done the work of sowing and you've done the work of keeping watering. You've been diligent. You've, you, you, you've been around the block a few times. You know what you're doing. But for you, there's coming a latter rain season where you lean into what God's doing, where you stay soft, where you stay humble, where you stay childlike in your faith and you lean into it. And then what's coming is it's a releasing of the full potential that God has planted into your life. And it's not coming because of your own effort or your own wisdom or your own cleverness. But as you submit to the blessing of God on this house, in this season and his presence over your life. So if that's you and you and the Holy Spirit's like, that's you. Or you kind of were like, yeah, as I was saying that. Take that. Take that word. Lean into it. Know that you're in a latter rain season and that God has good things for you to release that full potential in your life. After these verses, we come to verse 11, which is just the most beautiful verse. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. For that, that, you could just write down, have it over your mirror in your year and just proclaim that over your year. 
God crowns, he encircles the year with bounty. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. It's this um, imagery of like a well-worn track, a wagon that's kind of gone to and from a familiar place day after day after day, and then you get ruts in the ground where it's gone. Familiar, mundane, back and forth, uninteresting, habitual, ordinary, work commute. That place, God says, is going to overflow with abundance. And when it talks about abundance, I thought this is really funny in the original language. It means to trickle or drip with fatness. And I'm like, that's not a word for the new year. We don't, we don't need that after Christmas. No, we do not. And that's because in our Western culture, we have entire industries that are set up to deal with the trickle and the drip of fatness that we have in our life. It's not, we don't want that. It's not like a thing that we're like, woohoo, you're trickling and dripping with fatness. Don't say that to anybody this morning. They will not thank you to do that. But in the culture that this is being written in, where things are difficult and it's hand to mouth, and if the crops don't come, you're not eating. If you're trickling and dripping with fatness, well, you're in a good place. Only rich people trickled and dripped with fatness. Only rich people had the ability to expand their body with weight because they had the means and the resources and the abundance. You, there was a, a person who had more weight in this culture. They'd be like, you must be rich. You must be a person of stature. You're eating really, really well. You're eating actually more than your body needs and it's storing. That's the, that's the imagery of it. And one commentator says it this way, that, that God is circling the year in a year that is so remarkable for the manifestation of kindness, good things, and a year of abundant productions. Amen. Amen. Trickling, dripping with fatness. Everything you could need, abundance, more, above, ridiculous extravagance. God says it's coming even in the mundane places, even in the everyday, even in the boring, even in the work community, even in the tedious prayer that you've said a hundred times and it doesn't look like it's coming any closer. In that place, God says, I'm going to trickle and drip some fatness and some abundance over you. The last Two verses as we finish up together are four places you are going to find yourself in this year. You will be here in one of these places, maybe multiple times this year, maybe two or three, but you will find yourself here this year. And I'm going to read them and then we're going to just look at what God is doing in these places for you for your year. It says this. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture. The hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. I wonder if we could put that last slide up for me. Four places you will find yourself this year. You're going to find yourself in the wilderness. You're going to find yourself in hills. You're going to find yourself in meadows. You're going to find yourself in valleys. Wilderness represents hard, lonely places, but also places of encounter. Jesus went out into the wilderness and encountered the Holy Spirit. Lots of times when they went out into the desert, there was an encounter with God. So those wilderness places, the hard, lonely encounter places, God says he's going to make those a lush pasture. They're going to trickle and drip with fatness, same language. 
It's talking that the wilderness is going to become a place of fruitfulness and growth. The hard places this year that you're going to find yourself in, God says that place is going to be a place for you of fruitfulness and growth. The hills speaks of good places where, where our help comes from. We look up to the hills. Places created by God. Remember the verse just said that it's the God who creates mountains. Those places, those encounter places, they went up to the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain to receive the Lord. Hills were places of encounter and they were great places to be. In that place, God says, we're going to be blossoming with joy. We're going to be rejoicing. That's a great word. If you're, if you're on that hill place, then find a declaration of praise in your mouth. You're going up to somewhere good. You're encountering God. It's this place that's amazing. Well, if you're there, find yourself there this year. Wonderful. Let praise easily come off your lips. I'm on a hilltop. I'm having a mountaintop experience at this point in the year. My mouth is going to be filled with praise to God. Third place you will find yourself this year is in the meadows. Ordinary, flat, in betweeny places. Nothing really kind of happening in the meadows. It's where the sheep were. It's where David often was. Those in between places. And the Bible says they're going to be covered in flocks. Flocks represented provision, fruitfulness, sacrifice. You needed flocks to be able to sacrifice. Future security. If you had two sheep, well, that's good. As long as you've got the right ones, there's more sheep coming. So we, we like fruitfulness. And if you, a uh, hillside, if your meadow is covered in flocks, then chances are you've got some boy and girl flocks. And then that's going to be good for you because you're going to get more flocks out of that. Future security and investment. If you had a hillside and a meadow covered in flocks, well, you were doing pretty well for yourself. You could do a lot with that. You could trade. You were becoming into a position of authority. You were going to be well respected in your community. In the meadow places this year, in the ordinary, in the flat, in the in-betweeny places, God says, covered in flocks. All the abundance that you need. And the last place that we will find ourselves at some point this year, in a valley. There's going to be something difficult this year. I don't have to be super prophetic to know that. It's just an natural rhythm of life, isn't it? We have good bits in the year. We have tricky bits in the year. Those difficult places. Valleys were often also places of war. The valleys were where they met because they were, it was in the place where you, you go and see the hill position then you come down and you come down in there to fight. In those places, this psalm says, they're going to be carpeted in grain. I love that language. Not just oh, a few spits and spots here. But no, entirely carpeted in grain. If something's carpeted, it's covered from edge to edge. Carpeted in grain. Provision, fruitfulness. Offerings were given with grain. Future fruitfulness. If you had some grain, you were going to have more grain and immediate sustenance. You could go through the field, pick the grain, and it'll give you a good snack. That's what Jesus and the disciples did. Those four places, the wilderness the hills, the meadows, the valleys, you will find yourself in those places this year. And this is what God has already set up for you in those places, which is why the author finishes off with, they all shout and sing for joy. Every place, every person, wherever you find yourself, wherever you're sat in this room right now, think about where you are here. In that place, you can shout and sing for joy, because there's fruitfulness and abundance and blessing there for you, already set up 
by God. I wonder if the band could join me. Every place has its provision. Every place is showered in the blessings of God. Remember we said right at the start, the river of God has no lack. God's not got a skinny little river. He's got an abundant river. Every place is attended to by his goodness. This goodness in every place, even in the difficult places, even in the boring places, even in the in-betweeny places, in the good, in the bad, in everything in the middle, there is attended to by his goodness. Every place is taken care of by God. Remember right at the start of the psalm, we said that it's God that's doing this watering. He's attentive. He's not sent somebody off on the job for it. He's done this and set it up for you. Every place is filled with potential. There is potential for growth and fruitfulness in every place you find yourself this year. Every place is set up for fruitfulness. And when I said right at the start, I wanted to hold on to that thought about the end and the beginning and, and things being different in the way that the Jewish calendar worked. I want to bring that thought back in now because we're at the start of our year and we don't know what's coming. We don't know the fights that we're going to face. We don't know the ordinary moments that are going to come. We don't know the mountaintop experiences that are going to come. We don't know what's coming for us this year, but we serve a God who does. And this psalm was written as a harvest psalm, as a we've gathered in, we've collected, we've counted, we've brought together the physical evidence of the goodness of God in our life. But when we're not finishing the year with that, that's where we're starting from. That's where this psalm started. It wasn't at the end of the year when we're like, goodness me, look how God, good, how good God has been this year in 2023. It's starting the year by collecting that goodness and saying, what a place we're starting from this year. What a place we're beginning from. We're not on the back foot like, oh, we have to kind of creep into 2023 and let's just go in quietly and hope we don't disturb anything because the other three years before have been a little bit crazy, haven't they? And so let's just not disturb anybody and let's just kind of go in quietly and hope, you know, another pandemic doesn't happen and another this, that and the other doesn't happen. No, we can like swing the door wide open, go 2023, we are here and we're coming and we already know fruitfulness is ahead of us. We, we stand and we sit and we're surrounded by fruitfulness but I'm going from fruitfulness to fruitfulness. I'm not having to work my way this year into fruitfulness. I don't have to earn something this year. I get to partner with God in it, but I'm starting from a position of fruitfulness. We're not working to it this year. We're working out of it this year. This psalm was at the end of the year, but at the start of the year. We're starting the year looking at all the provision that God has already got for us.